Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Coming up, coping with the hot weather phase, Adam Wood's Irish Farmers Journal has some tips. Horticulture report published. Payment of Forestry Environment Report Grant announced and a preview of the Energy and Farm Business Show 2022 being held in Gartin. First, Mr Pat McCormack, ICMSA National President, warns that dairy farmers are facing up to 33% herd reduction under the Minister's derogation policy, despite, he says, the noble pro-family farming expressions of support from the Minister. ICMSA President, Mr Pat McCormack. Their statements are noble, John, where they don't want to reduce the national herd. But at the same time, when you look at what they're implementing and the potential of what they're implementing into the future, uh, it's a huge issue for the national herd, a huge issue for the family farm. Uh, you know, there's a notion out there that it's the significantly larger farms, but the reality of this is it's going to affect a lot of intensive farmers, irrespective of their scale. You know, I suppose if you take bending, for example, uh, where the cow will move from 85 to 89 to 92 to 106 kgs of organic nitrogen. You compound that with a, reduction, a potential reduction uh, in the derogation from 250 to 220. You could see a family farm that's farming quite intensively, uh, moving from 60 cows down to 42, 43 cows. That's a huge loss. And do you want the Minister to have a look at this again? The Minister and the Government and all the people who say they want to support the generations-old Irish tradition of family farming. And do you want them to review this and to come out, to consult? In fact, you believe the key word is consultation. You want them to consult with the ICMSA and dairy farmers and the farm organisations again vis-à-vis derogation. We do indeed. You know, we want them to have a good dialogue and a good exchange where they get a full understanding of the impact this is going to have on rural Ireland and on farm families because, you know, that makes that, that farming unit uh, unviable as we move forward. And, you know, that knock-on effect of that is going to be huge from a social uh, sustainability perspective. Uh, the conversation is completely about environmental sustainability and it's, it is a hugely important issue uh, and we need to get things right but we need a period of time, and the government doesn't allow that time, uh, in particular under the nitrates, for example, where low emission storage spreading and protected urea are well endorsed by farmers in 2022. But the real benefit of that won't be seen until the end of 2023, 24. And, uh, you know, it just seems to be a further rot of legislation that they're anxious to bring in rather than giving the science and the changes that are made a period of time to give a result. Going back to something that you've been harping on for quite a long time from the minute it was announced 
the fodder situation, you want the fodder scheme reviewed to include dairy farmers. Dairy farmers couldn't believe their ears and their eyes when they heard that this fodder scheme, very welcome, very sensible, very logical, yet the dairy farmers were to be excluded. Logical but irresponsible, and I said the last time I was on your programme, I criticised it, and I'll re-emphasise it again. When we had fodder crises in the past, it was the dairy farmers and their co-ops and their co-op board members who are dairy farmers that brought in the fodder from abroad and shared it amongst all farmers. On this occasion, the minister had the cotton of the cloth or the cake, whichever version you want to use, and he omitted dairy farmers. Uh, and, you know, there was many other uh, strategies or criteria that could be used for reducing numbers, but he omitted dairy farmers. Family farms uh, surviving 100% uh, from agriculture and their produce and uh, the minister saw fit to omit him and that's hugely disappointing. Uh, we have been on to the minister about the issue. Uh, we didn't make any progress to date but it is necessary that he revise it because if you look at the re- most recent tagged figures that came out in the last week uh, at the Fodder Forum uh, the dairy farmers in the southern half of the country are quite tight on stocks of fodder as we face the winter 2023. Fixed price contracts. I believe the ICMSA and dairy farmers would be willing to settle for a reasonable increase by the same token for those farmers on fixed price contracts for milk. They would welcome, and I presume you would welcome, our newer to review their support for the individual co-ops involved who have a number of their suppliers on these contentious fixed-price contracts. I suppose it doesn't just fall on the lap of Ornua. There are others out there who, who would have purchased milk or back-to-back arrangements with various posts. But it's hugely frustrating for farmers to find themselves 20 cents behind the base price, uh, you know, at a period of time where there's, there's huge costs on farm. Um, you know, I suppose hopefully it will be resolved in the next week or 10 days and finally put to bed and that the people that are most in need will, will be in a position to facilitate a future and a secure future. Um, there was a lot of resentment, uh, the potential of putting 2020, locking in your milk in 2023, uh, ex, you know, extending the 2022 lock-in. And that's, that's causing issues out there, and we've aired those views in, at the relevant tables. And again, you have, of course, met with the Minister, and you are putting all of these points very clearly to the Minister. All of these issues we are talking about now, you are still lobbying the government to do the right thing, to reconsider and do the right thing. Because when we talk about carbon and the environment and atmosphere, derogation, the nitrates, etc., we mustn't forget the European Union is allowing the potential import of up to 90,000 tonnes of Brazilian or Mercosur or South American beef produced on recently cleared or fairly recently cleared rainforest areas. And that must surely be a terrible anti-environmental issue there. That's a huge frustration for European, not alone Irish, but European family farms, uh, where there's a lot of environmental and other regulations put on uh, animal remedies, etc., and animal health. Uh, and, you know, that their finished project is asked to compete with this, uh, where there's very, very little traceability, if any, uh, and very, very little conscience for the environment. And, you know, that's that's hugely frustrating. You would see into the future, given time, methane can be reduced by the proper administration of diet additives and seaweed in one case, although regard to the US, not very important. But nonetheless, if the correct diet can be fed to livestock, well, then 
the methane <coughs> question could resolve itself to within reasonable limits. Without a doubt, uh, Roman and additive, I suppose, is a critical term to use. Uh, and that's the science that's evolving over a period of time. And hopefully the next couple of years we'll see significant progress in that regard and that we'll be in a position to reduce our emissions by, by possibly one third or maybe 40 percent. Uh, and that would have a significant impact on our overall emissions. Equally, you know, I suppose we're involved in the beef and lamb group uh, to reduce emissions now as well as the dairy group. And, you know, there's various things to be looked at, early slaughter, etc. But our pro- meat process and our milk process have to come on board and there have to be incentives put in place that are properly funded uh, to deliver a margin for the primary producer because we go back to that again, it's very, very necessary that there is a margin. That delivers economic sustainability, and economic sustainability will deliver environmental and social sustainability in rural economies. And the final link between the farmer and the consumer, when people go in to buy things on the supermarket shelves, measures to bring in price fairness on the supply chain. We've been told we aren't getting a food ombudsman, but there is going to be fairness on the supply chain, the agri-supply chain. But so far, Pat, do you feel enough muscle is being shown by the government and by the people who want to assure fairness that farmers aren't, as uh, the primary producers, receiving only a tiny proportion of the profit that people in between receive, the handlers? John, I went on the record in the Dáil yesterday evening. It's very, very clear um, with the Agricultural Committee. We all know what the primary producer receives for a kg of beef or a litre of milk. We know what it costs in the market, in the shop. Where's it going in between? That's absolutely imperative that that sense of, so that there is fairness, as you say. But, you know, that office needs to have an edge. Uh, the teeth need to be sharp because it needs to be fit for purpose because there's huge establishments out there that have to be tackled in this regard to deliver fairness to the primary producer. Well, let's hope, Pat, there is action. Speaking there to Mr. Pat McCormick, ICMSA National President. Pat, thank you very much indeed for your valuable time. Thanks a million, Pat. Thank you, John. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Adam Woods, Beef and Suckler Editor with the Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Adam, welcome to the programme. Now, you've been studying the weather situation and you've uh, been analysing the different sectors. So, farming through the heat wave, you have some advice for farmers. First of all, we'll say transport precautions. Yes, John, I guess given the, the, the weather we're going to have at the weekend and, and, and temperatures are talking to go as far as 33 degrees next Monday, so that poses challenge while we're all in very good humour that the sun is shining and there's very good heat coming, it's welcome and, and farmers need that. But in cases where we have very high temperatures, we need to be conscious of livestock on the farm and we need to pay extra attention to those livestock uh, to make sure that they're OK. Um, and I guess on, on transport, you know, animals can be quite maybe tight, loaded tight on a trailer in some cases. So avoid transporting animals in peak daytime hours, sometimes when you walk early morning or work late evening. Um, and, and the stocking rate in those trailers, because of the hot weather, should be adjusted accordingly, that, that it's not stocked as tight as maybe you might normally stock, because it can get very, very hot and very warm in, in, in livestock trailers during those very high temperatures. So just a simple practical tip, it's, it's almost common sense, John, but sometimes we just don't think of those things uh, changing in, in periods of, of hot weather. You believe, Adam, the high temperatures have the potential to trigger heat-related fertility issues. Now, how can this be avoided, particularly in rams, for example? This can have a negative impact um, on a a ram's fertility. Um, So, again, very important that you have, I guess, shelter in a field. We we normally think of shelter from from rain or wind, 
But in this case, next week, it's going to be shelter from the sun. So, so that that be a high hedge, that it be trees. Very, very important that rams in particular, and indeed bulls, um, have, have adequate shelter to avoid that temperature going up. Sometimes if an animal has an infection, that temperature could go up and it could cause um, we'll say fertility-related problems. But in this case next week, it could be actually the, the temperature, uh, the, the external temperature that could do that in terms of raising that temperature uh, beyond uh, uh, a level that, that could affect the fertility. Also, in terms of water, really, really important that, that animals have access to clean water. Um, a, a spring cow and suckler cow can consume 50 to 60 litres of water a day. Uh, so that's quite an amount. And sometimes where we have maybe some these small plastic drinkers if water is being pulled out of it um, on a continuous basis, obviously the drinker's a lot lighter and it can get shifted around and maybe get knocked over. And look at a lot of part-time farmers out there, maybe look at stock in the morning and may not look at them again until tomorrow morning. But if that drinker happened to get tossed over um, a short time after you've looked at them in the morning, you, you could be in trouble then the next day in terms of animals maybe breaking out or animals becoming ill because they don't have access to water. Have a supply of appropriate pour-on for fly strike and nuisance flies. You know, the high temperatures will affect the flies and possibly induce mastitis if you don't take care of your comfort of your animals. Yeah, absolutely, John. I guess July and August are peak months there for, for mastitis. I've heard a lot of reports through the country over the last couple of days about problems with mastitis. And look at it, it's not easy to, to give advice on that, but you just need to, I guess, use as many things as you can. Some people use garlic licks. Uh, some people use porons, I would say, with, with dexamethrin or, or some active ingredient like that in terms of keeping away flies. Uh, some people use tar in terms of spraying on tar, but that usually has to be applied maybe on a daily or or a, or, a, or a every two days basis. So it's maybe not as practical unless animals are coming in every day. And I guess as well, in terms of having maybe animals in a, in a sort of a clean paddock, that there isn't maybe nettles or weeds, because or, that's usually where maybe flies congregate around during this time of really hot weather. So and just look, at it's good stockmanship. It's, it's keeping an eye on animals on a daily basis, and, and hopefully that will, will help ward away uh, things like my status. Heat exhaustion, the impact on male or female shepherds and their dogs. We know working dogs, they are miraculous when we see them on TV. They're amazing how they work so closely with their masters, male or female. But again, when it's very hot, you should take care of your own comfort and the comfort of your dogs and not to work them perhaps in the height of the sun. Absolutely, I guess. It, 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 it's going back to transport, maybe working early in the morning or working late in the evening. Dogs aren't that good at regulating body temperature, so it's really, really important that you don't burn them out uh, during that really sunny time in the middle of the day. They can become dehydrated, um, and that limits their ability to, to regulate their body temperature. So, again, make sure they have access to drink. Uh, you know, the foot pads can get burnt quite quickly as well if they're walking on tower or walking on very hot surfaces. So, really, really important that, that you look after that dog. Really important part. I know until a more farm, Sean Dibber wouldn't be without his, his two dogs. They're, re- they're a really important part of the team down there. And indeed, the farmer them, themselves, um, you know, John, in terms of applying sun cream, keeping water on board, keeping hydrated, and, and you know, planning your tasks during the day that, that you're not maybe running up a hill at, at one o'clock in the day, that, that you're trying to maybe do that, that, do that maybe executive job in the evening or, or in the morning. Pay attention to your grass supplies. Yeah, I guess in, in, a, in a time of, of drought, uh, we see some pressure coming on, and definitely in the south of the country, over the last 10 days, there has been pressure, and I know farmers have moved into some second-cut silage to try and avert a, a grass shortage. Um, so it's important just to stay ahead of the game there, try and walk the farm once a week, 
uh, take a look at where your grass is at. Um, and maybe avoid things like topping during this time because topping can really delay regrowth. So I'd say during the during the time of, of, of very hot weather or very dry weather over the next couple of days, just try and, and stay away from topping um, and just monitor the situation as best you can to avoid, I guess, going out someday and finding that you've no grass at all. Take take action, like I've just said, in terms of moving in second cut silage, maybe even feeding some silage to slow up the rotation to give paddocks a little bit longer to come back in. And in the journal this week, Phelim O'Neill and also Amy Ford, they give an update on the cross-border agreement, which is very near agreement now on PGA status to include Northern Ireland in the island of Ireland, grass-fed beef status. So both the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland can, as island of Ireland produce beef, they can avail of the PGI status. That seems to be very near approval now. Yeah, so this is a positive, uh, John, in terms of you know, one step closer to achieving PGI status uh, for, for Irish beef. And, and we understand that this is going to be now covered the island of Ireland. Uh, there was some consultation between the Department of Agriculture, both B and the Northern Ireland counterparts and UK counterparts uh, over that application. There was an issue, I guess, the Northern Ireland uh, had, had an issue around the, the 220 days of grass each year. Um, which they had a problem with. We understand that that's still in the application, but obviously some consultation has, has left some leeway around that. And we're expecting a decision on this uh, sort of late 2022, early 2023. And look, at this, this is going to be a positive for Irish beef if we're going to achieve PGI status. It gives us access to, to more marketing opportunities and, and I guess a, a certain aspect of protected status as well for, for Irish beef going forward. And the methane question, uh, Irish agriculturists, farmers are often made to feel a bit guilty because they're defending the agriculture which we pursue. But we must not forget in the argument that the European Union has opened the way for a potential importation of 90,000 tonnes of beef from Brazil or Mercosa countries. And, of course, that could and probably will be beef produced on land which was cleared of rainforest Yet the European Union is opening the way for that. Presumably, of course, with self-interest, the Germans or other people would like to sell their cars to Brazil or other countries. So not to feel too guilty in the methane argument. Yeah, exactly, John. It's really frustrating, I guess, to see this happen in terms of uh, the EU opening up gates to, as you said, 90,000 tonne of beef coming in from countries like Brazil and Uruguay and Argentina. Where, where large-scale deforestation has taken place every year, we've talked about this every year in terms of this. what, what happens in Brazil. Uh, the President Bolsonaro uh, doesn't seem to be able to get a handle on, on what has happened over there and maybe even behind some of it. Um, so, so again, when we look at Irish beef production and lamb production and dairy production, we're some of the most carbon-efficient farms in the world as regards producing beef, and we really need to walk to that strength. Um, and in terms of listening to, to politicians talk about a herd cull or, or a national herd reduction because we need to reduce our methane, this, this food is going to be produced somewhere. OECD uh, would say figures would suggest that world population is going to grow uh, in the next 10 years. The food, we will need to produce food to feed the world population. Do we produce that food in a country like Ireland, which is extremely carbon efficient, uh, green, uh, principles on, on grass, principles in terms of production from, from grass, long grazing season, or do we look to feedlots in, in Brazil that are, are grain-fed, uh, again, maybe fed on, on deforested ground for some of the lifetime? I know what I'd rather eat, and I know what's better for the country, and I know what's better for in terms of climate change, and that would be produced here. Uh, but obviously, we're up against Mercosur deals, we're up against international trade agreements, and we're up against EU wanting to get their, their white products and their cars 
uh, over into South America. And I guess that's the challenge in terms of finding a balance uh, within the next couple of years. A very important development. Your editor, Irish Farmers Journal, Mr Justin McCarthy, is stepping down from his role as editor of the journal. But of course, he was livestock editor for seven years and he'll still be involved with the trust. And I understand that Justin McCarthy, much appreciated, is retiring next year, 2023. Yeah, I guess um, I, I'd be really sorry to see Justin move on. I, I've been lucky enough to work uh, on Justin for the last uh, six, seven years since I joined the journal. And I have to say I have the utmost respect for him in terms of his foresight and vision and his drive uh, for the business. It's been a really enjoyable uh, working for him. And look, we have a really good team up there assembled. Um, and and we, we put out a, you know, a paper every week with a, with a good livestock team. Um, and look, I just want to wish him all the best uh, in, in the next steps and the next journey in his career. But um, as I said, the utmost respect. Um, and, and I really enjoyed uh, working under him. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Adam Woods, Beef and Suckler Editor, Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you, Adam, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Joining us on the Farm Programme, we have Mr. David Purcell, B&T Dairy Advisor, Coronet Skibbereen in County Cork in the best of the county. First of all, David, welcome to the programme. What should grazing targets for July be? Bearing in mind all the changing circumstances, not least our climate and the very, very warm phase. Um, at the moment there, the key objective over the coming weeks will be to maintain adequate quality and supply of, of grass. Um, the, grass quality, the grass quality has to be adequate, roughly uh, 65 kgs of dry matter, we'll say, per day. Farmers should be trying to stick to a 20-day rotation, aiming to graze four covers of 14 100 kgs of dry matter per hectare. This can be difficult at the moment, but what we're what you're trying to do is um, graze the graze the grass when it reaches the two to three leaf stage, because grass stem and the dead material has lower feed quality and can be difficult to graze out. Reduces in um, lower lower intake of grass and will result in in poor performance. Where the growth has slowed down in the rotation, um, this is where you might have to go in with with silage and bale because again, what you're trying to do is not to speed up the rotation. You're trying to fill the gap with quality silage and meal which in time um, would help to build up your covers. Farmers should try not to leave the covers on the farm drop below 500 kgs of dry matter per hectare. Before we forget it and go on to the next part of our questionnaire, could you remind our listeners, please, about this uh, very important upcoming event, which I'm sure many listeners would be interested in, particularly in the west of the county? So in 2021, Ronald, Betty and Brian Shorten, Woodfield, Clan Kilty, were winners of the Carberry Milk Quality and Sustainability Award. There is a walk on their farm uh, Friday the 22nd of July at 12 o'clock. There will be, there will be directions from, from... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Clonacilty. Clonacilty Dunmanway, and it will be 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 signposted from from Lissavar. The topics that will be covered will be grass grass, uh, sorry, grass clover establishment, as well as clover management, uh, farm performance, breeding, finance, milk quality, and biodiversity. We leave that topic now and uh, resume our conversation looking at maximising milk yield to the end of the year. So how do farmers maximise milk yield to the end of the year? So again, farmers would be aiming to go out with a unit of nitrogen per day, making sure um, they are... Uh, using fertilizer with sulfur and um, and maintaining the PNK in the fertilizer where their allowances allow. Farmers are trying to manage uh, stemmy paddocks, take them out um, because stemmy paddocks result in lower digestibility and energy, which results in lower intakes. Um, this can this can be managed by by looking at uh, the daily herbage intakes and the post grazing height. Um, a one percent increase in grass digestibility will increase the uh, dry matter intake by 0.3 or 0.4 kgs of dry matter per hectare. So that would supply enough energy for an extra three quarters of a litre of milk. Also, maintaining, we'll say, grass midsummer. It's about uh, walking the farm weekly, using that that information in the wedge to give you an idea w- where you're going. The target is to graze covers fourteen to six hundred, fourteen to sixteen hundred kgs of uh, dry matter per hectare down down to uh, four hundred kgs of dry matter per hectare. Where farmers are, are having issues there, topping and pre-mowing um, may be used because what, what, you, what, you're, what you're trying to do is you've got to keep an eye on milk yield and the post-grazing height because you need to uh, balance, uh, balance both. 
if there is a hole in your feed budget, this is where you might need to uh, bring in um, uh, ration or or good quality bales of silage um, uh, to to manage performance. So what you want what you want to do is you want um, good good production with uh, good managed paddocks because if if your farm cover runs too low, it can be quite difficult uh, to increase the farm covers and it can take a, a longer time frame to do so. Now, turning to mastitis and the desire to prevent mastitis arising in the first place and, of course, to have efficient milk production. So, looking at the issue of liners, replacement of liners, you might remind our listeners what the gold standard would be for replacing milk liners. Some people will say at least every six months. Some people do it every three or four months. But at this time of the year, would this be a good time to review your liners, how long they've been there, and whether you should replace them. So is it time for dairy farmers now to replace milking machine liners at this time of the year? When um, liners become worn, basically what happens, it it takes longer for them to open and close, and um, there there can be an issue with uh, the vacuum. So... Industry recommends that um, you change liners after 2,000 milkings or every or every uh, six months, whichever uh, comes comes first. Um, it is important to check the insides of the liners regularly to to see that they are soft and smooth, not rough and cracked. Um, it is also um, the choice of the liners is important um, in reducing teeth damage and and any increase uh, in in mastitis. So a well aligned, good quality liner should should fit into the teeth cup shell um, as it uh, as it must uh, collapse fully around the base of the teeth. Um, where where some people forget is that where cow numbers have increased and the parlor size hasn't increased, what 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 can happen is um, the liners might need to be changed more regularly every three to four months. So again, farmers must make sure that the liners are soft um, and and flexible form an airtoil seat around the base of the heat adjacent to the other. So this minimizes liner slip and, and cluster fall off. So there are just a few, few pointers um, for uh, replacing liners. In addition to the Chagas page, the Chagas website and the Chagas advisors, if you look up AHI Animal Health Ireland, that's ahianimalhealthireland.ie, the webpage there, you will see a very interesting video, When Should I Change My Liners? And that's flagged in the Dairy Gold Milk Matters magazine, the monthly magazine for July 2022, issue 112. So if you want to actually see the very best way and most efficient and handy way to replace your milk liners, A-H-I, animalhealthireland.ie. So returning to our conversation, David, regarding various uh, matters, reseeding, should farmers be thinking of reseeding ground this time of the year? So basically what farmers 
have to look at is that are they achieving high levels of grass production and animal performance uh, from their swords and the, and if they aren't and there isn't a high high percentage of of perennial ryegrass in the sward that can be difficult to do so so if you have low perennial ryegrass look you grow less grass um which is especially necessary um in the spring if you have low perennial ryegrass in the sward um um are of lower quality look they support lower levels of production compared to new seeds. Correct grassland management also um, plays a, a, a fierce role in relation to pasture quality. A combination of both will lead to increased uh, grass uh, DMD across the grazing season and higher perennial ryegrass wards allow uh, allow an 8% higher milk output uh, per hectare compared to all swards and that swards with lower levels of perennial ryegrass are as, are, are as not response as, as not as responsive to nitrogen and with the increased um, cost of, of nitrogen this is something that has to be taken into, into consideration some very good tips there. We turn now to parasites in the current weather. How do farmers do their best to try and manage parasites in cattle? So over the summer months on, on dairy farms, it is important uh, to keep your replacement heifer calves on track. So they need to uh, continue growing without setbacks. So so basically your heifers need a minimum um of thirty percent of their mature weight by the time they're they're six by the time they're six months of age. So if your mature cows are six hundred kilos, your February born heifer calves need to be a hundred and eighty kilos by the end of August. So the type of parasites that, that you need to um that you need to be mindful are are lungworm stomach worms and coccidiosis so you must always be vigilant for lungworm if your heifer starts start coughing uh, par- particularly followed by warm wet weather uh, lungworm um is likely um is likely to be caused so again so your heifer calves might need to be dosed without delay. In relation to stomach worms, um, as the grazing season progresses, the risk of worms increase uh, increase um, at farm level on pasture. So if calves um, are grazing low-risk pasture and the weather is dry, the worm burns can be extremely low and no the dosing might be required but if calves are thriving well and don't have dirty tails the best option might be to take a pooled uh, faecal sample to assess as uh, say the burden with them so if you are taking we'll say a pooled as uh, soil sample you would you would put the calves in a clean collecting yard leave them there for an hour uh, you can restrain them, um, say, say with a wire, um, move the truck to a clean area if doing so, collect 10 samples of fresh dung using using a disposable uh, teaspoon into a collecting pot 
uh, deliver um, the sample to to the to the lab for testing. Um, make sure you do it early in the week to making sure the dung samples are submitted on time. And when you get the results, you can liaise w with your vet um, to, to, to take the appropriate action. If there is a high um, fly burden, um, we'll say on stock, you know, um, they, they, ca they can be treated with a poron. Farm safety, farm safety, should that be an issue more than normal at this time of the year and in the current weather circumstances we have, uh, David? Yeah, um, it should be because currently there's been five um, workplace deaths so far in 2022 and these are figures from the HSA. So again, our target should be trying to reduce uh, the level of deaths and injuries we will say on farm and again july is uh, the month with the highest level of um of of farm accidents on on record so again we need to look at this so in relation to the areas where farm accidents happen more regularly on dairy and on on cattle rearing farms the percentage of um, accidents range between 17 to 18%. These are based on, on figures between 2012 and 2017. As well as that, um, the Farm Safety Week starts uh, on Monday, the 18th of July, uh, when it officially launches. So, so um, on on Tuesday, they're looking into uh, childhood safety. On Wednesday, farm safety champion and farm accident survivors. On Thursday, respiratory um, health and and Friday, uh, mental health awareness. Uh, like so, this week is is combined with the UK and Ireland event in Ireland. In Ireland. This week will be coordinated by the IFA, the Farm Families and um, Social Affairs Committee. So taking that into consi consideration, um, farmers um, should should take an interest in this and it starts on everyone's own farm, you know, to try and uh, reduce farm accidents on their farm. Well, thank you very much indeed, Mr. David Purcell, B&T Dairy Advisor, Coronet, Skibbereen in the best of the county. Thank you, David, for those very important points. And we do hope that the number of farm accidents will decrease in the current uh, summer as opposed to what's been happening earlier on the year. David, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. No problem, John. You're very welcome. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Barry Caslin, Energy and Rural Development Specialist with Chagask in the Longford office. First of all, Barry, welcome to the programme. Now, a very important event is upcoming soon. Hello, John. Great to be on your programme, and uh, th thanks for the invite. Yeah, it's a, it's a fairly important event. It's, uh, it's called the Energy and Farm Business Show. Uh, formerly, it was called Energy in Agriculture on its own, so we just focused on um renewable energy and sustainable energy around agriculture, energy efficiency. But this time, uh, that's going to be included also, the whole area of renewable technologies such as solar PV and how they're relevant to dairy and reducing energy costs, which I think is very, very important at this point in time as energy prices are soaring, but also for covering areas like um, you know, um, renewable heat 
opportunities for farmers to sell heat via energy crops, via forestry, pulpwood. Uh, so there'll be a strong emphasis on uh, forestry, organics, because we're also bringing in the whole area of uh, diversification into it this year for the first time. So a lot of farmers are ringing up Chagas offices asking about you know, uh, changing or maybe developing a, an enterprise for a son or a daughter uh, or a niece or a nephew that wants to do something else with the land. So we have a strong focus on diversification and uh, pointers and supports that are available to farmers or landowners that want to diversify and do something different with their assets, uh, i.e. their land or their buildings. So we will have a, an extensive uh, coverage of the whole area of food, artisan food, for people that are interested in diversifying that whole area, maybe adding value to their milk by producing uh, cheese or ice cream, uh, for example. And we, we, we will have set, uh, workshops on that whole area and uh, seminars. And we're also going to have areas such as there's a lot of diversification out there, such as glamping and camping. Farmers asking questions about that if they want to change their land use and uh, provide facilities for uh, tourists, for example, who and maybe damping facilities or camping facilities or self-catering on their farms, the do's and don'ts about all of that. And I suppose all of these enterprises require business plans. So we'll have a strong focus on business plans, how you go about preparing a business plan, and um, what's required in one, uh, who who needs to see the business plan. And uh, for example, the banks will, will want to see uh, the a good business plan prepared uh, that, that contains the right information for them as well. Covering that, but it's also covering the the area of sustainability in agriculture. Also, so things like carbon farming, which many farmers are asking about nowadays, and sustainability. You know, what does this mean? Um, if I'm to reduce carbon on my farm, um, how can I save carbon, and how do I get paid for carbon? Uh, these are questions that many farmers are asking about. So, we'll be covering all those areas, such as organics, horticulture. Uh, forestry, uh, renewable energy, um, and different diversification opportunities that are available, and how you go about doing that uh, on your farm. And solar, solar has been around for quite a while. Solar panels of various types, but recently we see a trend towards farmers being paid for any solar, any surplus solar energy they generate from solar panels on their rooftops, etc., and uh, pretty generous uh, subsidies. So, in fact, uh, solar, I understand from what you've said there, Barry, solar will be discussed and uh, it'll be worked out you know, for farmers if they want to get involved with solar. This could be a tremendous uh, boost to their income and a uh, saving on, of course, uh, the essential electricity they'll be using on their farms, farms of all types. Yeah, I suppose if you look at the pig sector, John, the likes of the pig sector, the poultry sector and the dairy sector, they're all using a lot of electricity <clears throat> and in some cases losing a, using a lot of heat as well. So we will have a strong focus on um, where they can make savings, you know, what type of technologies are available to reduce electricity consumption on the farm, such as variable speed drives, maybe in a milking parlour, uh, energy efficient equipment that, that can be used on the farm. And also, uh, you know, as you mentioned, solar. Now, solar can be large scale where you have maybe large tracts of land. Many farmers have been approached at the moment to see with the sign an option agreement, which will become a long term lease with a solar company, for example. Uh, and the, many farmers have been approached by this enough to sure should they sign, what are the implications first. So we'll be having talks uh, with the solicitors about that and also with um, um, tax specialists such as IFAC. Uh, who will be discussing 
the ins and outs about the implications of signing a long-term lease with a solar company, what it means, for example, transferring the family farm afterwards. It, will it will it be deemed as agricultural land, or will it be deemed as a land that's used for energy? Will you lose, use your, lose, sorry, will you lose your agricultural release on that land? These are the kind of questions many farmers have, and we, that we've been discussing on, on the day also. And then, of course, you have this this small scale solar, where you may be covering your roof with solar PV. And not, we're not talking about twenty twenty five acres there. We're talking about maybe covering maybe twelve to fifty square meters of your shed in solar PV panels that may be used to generate your own electricity requirements and maybe, as you mentioned, selling excess back to the grid because that's something that's become come to the fore in the last number of months is now we have the opportunity to sell electri- excess electricity back to the grid and get paid for it. <clears throat> and that's a, a game changer in terms of um, farmers participating in this whole area and there's a lot of interest in it and Farmers are asking about paybacks, so they're the kind of things that we'll be covering on the day at Gurteen Agricultural College also. It's, uh, in North Tipperary, John, so it's uh, Gurteen Agricultural College. It's um, If anyone Googles it, uh, you'll find it in most SACNAVs as well. Uh, the college is, it will be fairly well known in, in North Tipperary. So it's not too far from Burr, actually the town of Burr in, in, in Offaly. It's, it's on the border of Tipperary and Offaly. <clears throat> so it's on the ni- Tuesday, the 19th of July, starting at nine o'clock in the morning there'll be three seminars uh, there'll be three different live panel discussions Minister McConnell Minister Raymond Ryan will be there on the day also uh, we will also have um, three panel discussions on areas such as carbon farming sustainable farming um, uh, the, the future of energy in agriculture and there's also a panel discussion on the area of agriculture at the crossroads which Minister Raymond Ryan is involved in also and it's a free event John and if anybody wants any further information about it or to see, to see further information about it they can go on to www.energyinagriculture.ie Thank you very much Barry Mr Barry Caslin, Chagask Energy and Rural Development Specialist telling us about the special Energy and Farm Business Show 2022 Tuesday 19th of July Gertrude Agricultural College in College Tipperary. Pleasure, John. Thank you. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmer Association National President Mr Dermot Kelleher said common sense must prevail when it comes to emission reduction targets for the agri-sector. He said a target of 22% is the absolute maximum which the agriculture sector can bear. Anything higher would be akin, he contended, to pressing the self-destruction button on the sector. On 13th of July 2022, Minister of State with Responsibility for Forestry at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Senator Pippa Hackett, announced the commencement of payment of the Environmental Report Grants for licensed applicants and their registered forester. Payments have commenced for all 2022 process applications. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell, TD, and Minister of State, with responsibility for horticulture, Senator Pippa Haggett, have welcomed publication of KPMG's report on opportunities for the Irish horticulture sector, which Minister Haggett commissioned late last year. The report, launched by Minister Hackett at a webinar attended by stakeholders in the sector, provides a comprehensive overview of the state of play in the horticulture industry in Ireland. And that's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony and Mairead Tuig for their contributions to the programme again this week, and to Mairead Tuig in particular for creating our podcasts on the web. A special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. 
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.